the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Hey, we will, um, well, we have, as usual, some wonderful guests. I'm really looking forward today. We'll talk with Pastor Robert Jeffress. Uh, he is the has a new book called A Place Called Heaven, uh, a devotional book. And he's an extraordinary guy, extraordinary character uh, with a large, large life, doing lots of good stuff. We'll talk with him in a few moments. We also will talk today uh, with a, a friend of mine who's very important interesting man, Doug Johnson. He's now, I think, a consultant with the National Right to Life, but he's very influential in understanding the law and the policy of the fight over the Equal Rights Amendment, which is long since dead. It expired in the 80s by its uh, design. It was an amendment to go on the Constitution, expired in the early 80s, but it's being revived by the far left, and it's worth talking about. We'll talk with him about that in just a few moments. Now, let me say to you, and maybe this is in the good context of we'll talk to uh, Doug Johnson about the ERA fight, Equal Rights Amendment. It's been dead for 40 years, and yet it's being resurrected. And the way it's resurrected is people ignore the facts in favor of their own narrative. They just make up new facts to fit their new narrative, and off they go. And that's one of the things that we've been talking about. I did a, a Periscope over on my uh, Twitter feed, at Eagle Ed Martin. You can follow it there. In fact, you can go over to uh, uh, ProAmericaReport.com. You'll see all of my different uh, content that I create out there available. You can follow all that. But uh, in my, on, my, um, on my Periscope today, I talked about how the narrative... The narrative machine, the narrative machine has become so dominant. And by the narrative machine, I mean the left, as well as the fake news, as well as big tech. And they all work together in the narrative machine to create a set of details, facts, that then they position as the truth. And then you don't know any better, or we don't know any better, and we go along with it. So the best example of the sort of uh, of the of the narrative machine kicking in, the best best recent example, the one that is most obvious and can show you how brazen they've gotten and how it continues, was the Russia hoax, where you know it was effectively created by disinformation from the Hillary Clinton campaign, from opposition research, then then washed through the government, and then it failed to to do to do. What it was supposed to do, which was help take the the candidacy of Donald Trump off the, off off its rails, and after it failed, it was then positioned as the Russia investigation under Mueller, and it became the Russia hoax. It's almost impossible to remember, but here's the truth: when it was all said and done. There has been zero evidence of any collusion between Trump or his campaign and the Russians, any coordination. There really hasn't been any substantive conclusion of Russian attempts to interfere, let alone succeeding. The troll farm uh, that was proposed uh, that that did $100,000 of Facebook ads doesn't really count if you're being honest, but it doesn't matter. The narrative machine engineered the Russia hoax. 
Another example, the Charlottesville hoax, the fine people hoax, when the, the, there were uh, what gathered in Charlottesville were people that were wanted the historical monuments to stay up and people that wanted them to come down and then using any a chance to use an event to their advantage. Nasty people came too. Uh, hint, hint. That's what happened on January 6th. But on, in, in Charlottesville, what happened was you had rotten people, Antifa and some nasty look like neo-Nazi types come. But the president of the United States never said the neo-Nazis or white supremacists or even Antifa were fine people. In fact, by name, he condemned them all in the same speech where he referred to that there were fine people on both sides of the historical monument debate. And I don't think anybody could dispute that if you looked at the at the transcript and the video. But the pr- proposal from the narrative machine was that, oh, my gosh, this is an indication of a, 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 a white supremacy support. And it went from there. Other examples, remember the uh, drinking bleach hoax? Uh, the president was talking about disinfectant light, UV, UV disinfectant. They, CNN and others said, oh, he's talking about drinking bleach. And they went out and, they, and, and on and on and on. The narrative machine has engineered things, including, by the way, the questions that there are. Here's a, here's a, here's a factual statement. Millions of Americans wonder if the election in 2020 was done correctly. That's a factual true. Millions of people have a lack of confidence because they wonder. Now, also factually true, lots of court cases were litigated and or went forward and nothing happened. No court cases ruled on the fraud. But what is true is people don't have confidence. If you say out loud that you don't have confidence in elections, you are told you participate in the big lie. The big lie. And if you participate in the big lie, you are not only wrong... Because you're not looking at all the facts, according to the narrative machine, you also are deeply, deeply close, very close to seditious because the quote unquote insurrection of January 6th was a what looks like something that was directly related to the people that did believe that. And by the way, also those people involved, a lot of them white supremacists. That's the narrative machine, what it's doing. And we have a monstrous problem to fight back. And what you need to know is it's getting worse, not better. So the GameStop situation, you know, where there's a basically the small investors got together because communication is 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 easier in a Reddit uh, uh, a room, chat room or thread, sub thread or in uh, other places. And they said, you know, let's 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 act collectively as individuals and pool our money. Meanwhile, Wall Street's up there with big, big rich guys who pool their money. And it turns out the little guys pooling their money were winning. And what happened Wall Street pressured the government, pressured the traders, pressured the app makers to shut it down and stop the little guy from doing what they were doing. Now, that's one thing. Another thing is to to vilify the little guys. By the way, it is one thing that Wall Street and all these and government and apps shut it down. It's terribly wrong. It should be more. It's morally wrong. It should be illegal. But the next step of the narrative machine is not that these are frustrated individuals. It's there's something wrong with them. They they may be seditious. They may be linked. I heard it on one station, uh, Kramer uh, on was it MSNBC or CNBC, wherever Kramer's show is. One of the, his guests said it could be foreign in infiltration. 
Russians, maybe. They didn't say Russians. They said foreign infiltration. The narrative machine moves into place to shape, take facts of the events and put them in position and line it up so the truth you see is not true, but they can then act. See, remember, there is, and this is the most haunting part of this. I am looking at a document. I just sent it over to John Schlafly, who we're going to talk to tomorrow. I'm looking at a document and, and I'm, and I'm seeing this document that was posted by the Department of Homeland Security. And it says that there's just, just two days ago, there is a wave, no kidding, a wave of possible national terrorism that is emboldened. What's happened in the last few weeks has emboldened terrorists and we should be on the lookout. And by the way, no evidence is offered. No proof is offered. It's just hysteria, a heightened threat environment across the United States. What is that? Where's the heightened threat environment of all the cities that have burned? Anybody talking about that? But my point is the narrative. You see the narrative? A heightened sensitivity, heightened threat of, of possible domestic terrorism. And if you say it long enough, that's the beauty of the narrative machine. The narrative machine counts on all of the parts working together. You get government and the establishment saying it, using facts. You get fake news reporting it. You get tech screening it. And you say it over and over again. And it becomes what people hear, what they know, and it impacts what they do. And when you have a situation, in this case, the narrative machine is putting it together. We better crack down on, on all these extremists, people that don't think people that don't have confidence in the elections. Four years ago, that was Hillary Clinton and all the Russia hoaxers. But that was somehow honorable back then. Now you could be really on track to be in real trouble. You, you could be a troublemaker in America if you believe in the wrong things. We better get on that. We better pass some legislation. We better demand the tech shuts down the extremists. We've got to get control. I'm talking as if I was the powers that be. The narrative machine is dominating America. It's not, it's not, it's not Hollywood. It's not TV. It's not sitcoms. It's not. It's a sophisticated set of interlocking players. They don't have to coordinate. The narrative machine doesn't have to coordinate. It just has to manage in the right direction. It has to believe in the right direction and keep chomping up. And, and what you need to know is name it first. We'll talk about what you can do about it later, but name it first. The narrative machine, see it. It's not just fake news is bad. Nope. It's not just big techs or bullies. Nope. It's not that. It's not just the left who wants to destroy our history. Nope. It's that they're working together to drive the narrative machine to change our lives. We got to take a break. When we come back, we will talk. Uh, first, we'll talk with uh, our old friend, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, excuse me, Doug Johnson about the ERA and then uh, Pastor Jeffress. Uh, we'll talk with Pastor Robert Jeffress. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. You know, our next guest is Doug Johnson, and I was struggling, uh, Doug, to to think of the ways to describe you. You've been active in the pro-life uh, community for uh, many, many years. Uh, you now, I think, have a senior position, maybe a, uh, I th you're not, you were, well, you can tell me what the position was, but here's what I rely on for uh, Doug Johnson. He uh, understands exactly what is happening in the swamp and across the country when it comes to the ERA. 
Trade Equal Rights Amendment, which is a, a big thing for obviously our organization. But I also wanted to point out to you, Doug, and, and encourage people to look at a, a document that was created by the National Right to Life uh, Committee that uh, is the state of abortion in America uh, in 2021. And um, very valuable, especially the part on the uh, ERA, too. But thanks for uh, joining us, uh, Doug Johnson. Great to have you on the show. It's good to be with you, Ed. You know, what we're seeing right now is uh, an attempt to, I would say, airdrop the language of the Equal Rights Amendment into the U.S. Constitution. Um, and we have to take this seriously. I mean, now people may say, well, this died decades ago. It expired. It was it was not accepted by the required number of legislatures. And that is true. But the uh, the pro-ERA people have come up with theories under which deadlines don't matter and states can never change their mind. And so now that they have a sympathetic administration uh, controlling the federal executive branch, they are pushing very hard on this. Um, and during the weeks and months ahead, you can expect to see a couple of different things. One is, uh, I believe that the Justice Department is likely to work its way around to putting out some kind of opinion that this ERA is still alive and that it, it, it is already ratified, or at least that Congress can declare it to be so. And already there mm-hmm. has been introduced in both houses of Congress a resolution that says the deadline is nullified. Now, we've said in a letter to the House and Senate that Congress does have various powers under the Constitution, but it does not include time travel. Uh, but this is what they're <laughs> uh-huh. this is what they're purporting to do, and uh, the House of Representatives actually passed this the same uh, language last February, and they'll do it again. So this is going to be up to the Senate to stop this, uh, and we take it very seriously. Yeah, we're talking. And I, I found it, Doug. I'm sorry, I was a little bit uh, disorganized. I found it. Uh, uh, we're talking with a, a Douglas Johnson. He's played a number of roles over the years in in uh, in uh, 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 in the fight for pro life and others. But he is currently the National Right to Life's senior policy advisor on the issue of the ERA. All right. Um. For so what we have here is, uh, l- does it likely end up in the courts? Uh, no matter what. I mean, there's a move I see on social media where people are saying that the the president should just call up the archivist and say, just tell everybody, just tell the archivist to publish the ERA as it's ratified um, and let's move on. If he does that, I think it's immediately in court. Uh, if if they do something else, it's immediately in court. Are we, are we headed to the Supreme Court on this? Well, possibly. It's already in court. There is a uh, case pending now before a federal district judge here in Washington, uh, which involves states on both sides. There are some uh, liberal states which are saying the ERA is already ratified. Uh, this is led mm-hmm. by Virginia Attorney General. And then there's five conservative <clears throat> states that have been allowed to intervene in the case, which are saying it's not ratified, the deadline is real, states have a right to change their mind. So the judge is considering all of that. And what the pro-ARA people want to do is put more weight on their side of the scale. So they want to go into that case and say, look, look, uh, the, the federal executive branch has decided that this is uh, that we were right all along. And look, look, the Congress has now ratified this by saying the deadline is removed. So we don't want them to be able to do that. We, we think in the end, yes, it shouldn't matter. The Supreme Court should say this died in 1979, and it doesn't matter uh, what anybody says at this late date. You have to start over. Even Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, before her death, uh, made it quite clear she thought the deadline was passed, and she even indicated 
uh, the states could change their mind. Um, but you have to take into account that, you know, that the, the courts may give some weight to the declarations of the other two branches of the government. So we don't want this to pass the Senate. And it's important that people communicate to their senators that they should not support this effort. This 1972 ERA language, if it did get into the Constitution, would be used as a very powerful pro-abortion legal weapon. It certainly has implications on other issues as well, but the the pro-abortion leadership doesn't even bother to deny this anymore. Indeed, they proclaim it. They shout it from the rooftops that this would be a replacement for Roe versus Wade, something actually written into the Constitution, and it would be very sweeping, potentially invalidating virtually any state or federal limits on abortion. Uh, we're talking with uh, Douglas Johnson of the National Right to Live, a senior advisor. Uh, Doug, sliding a little bit away from the legal argument, I agree. And it, it seems to me that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, rest her soul, should be the end of the story. But on that question, the legal status, I think we're in for a fight. I don't think that the left cares what the law is. I think they'll keep uh, plowing ahead. But sliding away from that for a second, the news got so much attention uh, for a lot of people of the transgender, the executive order that uh, rescinded a lot of the limitations on, on uh, transgender boys playing girls sports and other things now transgender in the military um you know that issue is one that era would impact uh the, the transgender rights uh, quote unquote uh also abortion in terms of uh requiring uh well payment uh, paying for abortion certainly requiring abortion availability what, what when you get people now when the late phyllis Schlafly fought this and you were back there with her in the early 80s you know it was very potent to say uh drafting women in the military would be a terrible idea women in combat but that was just after the draft in war in vietnam and it was a different time. I'm not sure that issue is as as uh, persuadable. And maybe the public, with the power of the media and big tech, is even more likely to say, oh, what's wrong with equal rights for women? The famous the title of a famous article by Phyllis Schlafly. But so what do you what do you how do you address the real the best sort of concerns for the regular person to say that's a bad idea? We don't want the ERA. Well, that's my particular uh, you know, expertise is on the abortion connection, and there, as I say, uh, there's really no longer an argument. We, it used to be that the pro-ARA people were saying we were making this up, it was a scare tactic and so forth. Now they proclaim that it's true. Uh, if, and it would apply to all those things you mentioned. It would apply to anything that uh, limits abortion, including third trimester abortion. I think I just might have lost you. We've had a little trouble with uh, Doug's uh, phone line, and if he doesn't come back, we'll uh, we'll uh, move ahead. I'll move ahead on this and just tell you that this is a very it's a really valuable document. Also, uh, we'll see if we get him back. But uh, Doug Johnson over at uh, National Right to Life, uh, their website, uh, and I'll, I'll uh, read you the the uh, name of the site is nr nrlc dot org nrlc dot org. It's the, it's called the State of Abortion in the United States, January twenty twenty one, published by the National Right to Life, uh, nrlc.org. And I just got to tell you, when you it's important, people that sort of don't understand the numbers, you know, we're celebrating in, in Washington, D.C., the, the, the March for Life, the celebration of the pro-life movement, the pro-life movement's success is worth celebrating, even as we mourn uh, the terrible suffering of abortion. But when you look at this report, 
it um, is pretty powerful. It gives you the numbers, uh, you know, of, of abortions. It gives you the background of the Hyde Amendment, which shows the tax dollars. ERA is in there. And then, as importantly, uh, it gives you some of the perspectives on the states. Because remember, a lot of the arguments about the future of this uh, issue are going to end up being state issues. Uh, they're going to be ones that are fa- that people are facing in the states uh, where they are, because even if, as you, if you're like me, you hope and pray that someday soon the Supreme Court takes up uh, uh, pro-life causes, uh, uh, cases, you, um, you, you, you know, it's going to go back to the states. All right, we got, we've got uh, Doug Johnson back, uh, thankfully. Doug, I was just saying about this report uh, that's really useful for people to catch up on the details. Um, give me your sense now of um, the, you've been here before. You've been when there's uh, Republicans in power, Democrats in power. You've been there when pro-lifers have failed to move the needle. You've been there when pro-abortion folks have failed to move their needle. Uh, what's your sense on the moment we're in? Well, with respect to the Equal Rights Amendment, this is the certainly the most jeopardy we've been in in that you have uh, one and potentially two branches of government who uh, could be in a, come around to a position of asserting that this has already occurred, that it's already in the Constitution. Now, I think we can win on this. I think their legal arguments are uh, extremely weak and that a good political case can be made certainly to anyone who wants to be regarded as pro-life that this is not some language that they can support. Um, so I think we can win the battle in the legislative branch, in the Senate, and in the courts, uh, but it will be a fight. Hmm. All right. Unfortunately, Doug, I'm out of time. Doug Johnson, I'll make sure to put up on social media his report. Very important. Thanks very much. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on Thank the you. Pro-America Report. Ba- thanks, Doug. Back in a moment. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I think it was a year or two ago we had Dr. Robert Jeffress is the senior pastor over at First Baptist Church in Dallas on the program. He's uh, someone who is, uh, he's, he's a Fox News contributor. He's been, uh, I, I, the last five or seven years in particular, his profile as a leading uh, pastor, Christian pastor across the country has kind of grown and grown and grown. I've seen him there. And he's got a new devotional, A Place Called Heaven, uh, that's coming out just in these weeks. And I wanted to get him on to talk about that and also talk about uh, sort of uh, where life is after uh, four years of President Trump. So welcome, Dr. Jeffers. How are you today, sir? Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to be here. So how do you feel? A guy like you, you lead a massive congregation, I don't know, almost 15,000 folks, and you probably have a lot of people that woke up after Election Day and certainly after Inauguration Day and said, man, I thought we were making a, a direction in the right way. We're in the right direction. It seems like it's changed. How do you make us feel better? Well, first of all, I, I preached a message that was on our Pathway to Victory broadcast last week on how Christians should respond to President Biden. And look, uh, nobody was more disappointed than I was in the election. But I told our people, even though the occupant of the Oval Office has changed, the occupant of the throne of heaven hasn't changed. God is still in <laughs> right. control. He's in authority. He has a plan. But, you know, having said that, I think we're getting ready to enter some choppy waters. The church is going to have to stand strong. 
I just had an op-ed at Fox News released uh, about an hour or two ago on Biden's uh, hypocrisy and overturning the Mexico City policy that would allow taxpayers to fund abortions in uh, international countries. And uh, look, I think we have to get ready for that. And uh, there's going to be more and more of that. But the church can shine brightly, especially in the darkness. Well, we're talking with uh, Dr. Robert Jeffress, who's the pastor, as I mentioned, and, and Pathway to Victory at PTV.org. PTV.org is the website you can find. Tell us about this devotional, because I do think one thing I found, uh, Pastor, about six months ago, maybe eight months ago, I started doing a weekly prayer call with our Eagle leaders and others, and it grew. People are hungry, even as they worry about stuff. As you know, it's your life's work, and they're hungry for uh, for more nourishment than even Fox News or than the uh, television for sure. So tell us about this devotional and why it's important, why it's out now. What's called a place called heaven, uh, devotional, a hundred days of living in the light of eternity. And it's based on my original book, A Place Called Heaven, a couple of years ago, which became an instant national bestseller. And the publisher said then, what if we turn this into a devotional? People could spend five minutes a day for a hundred days just thinking about heaven and meditating on what awaits them. Little did we know when this came out, the week that it came out last week, we'd be in the middle of a global pandemic and a political civil war. But I think uh, right right now people are hungry for some hope. And uh, this book uh, provides that to think about heaven. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis said, you know, the problem with most Christians is not that we think too much about heaven, but we think too little (laughs) of it. And he said the Christians who have been most effective in this world are those who think most about the next world. So I think this is a needed dose of hope right now. We're talking with Dr. Robert Jefferson. Again, it's a place called Heaven Devotional that's out just in these last weeks. Um, you, you, you mentioned uh, that um, uh, we need it right now in the pandemic and all. One thing that I think that's really hard uh, for Americans right now is we keep feeling – and maybe it's just a feeling, maybe it's a, I think it's a false hope that somebody's going to save us, meaning President Trump is going to save everything and do it. And he did a heck of a lot well. Joe Biden ran for president. A lot of what he was saying is, I'm going to fix the pandemic. He's gotten in and realized it's not a fixing by him being a, a new president. And I think people are kind of, a lot of the scientists, you know, said, oh, this is going to work. That's going to work. This isn't. We just learned that, that life is life. And uh, in that moment, I think it, it, that's the moment that maybe it's an opening, right? It's an opening for the Lord to do his work. On the other hand, there's a lot of desperation, a lot of suicide, a lot of self-harm. It, it, and that's that feels more present than ever. It is. And I think people through this pandemic have had to come to terms with their own mortality. I mean, it's just a few weeks ago, my wife said, you know, we've got to get our cemetery plots. We don't have a place to be buried. So we went and bought cemetery <laughs> plots. I mean, that's hardly wow. the kind of date I was looking for. But that really makes you realize your life is limited. Now, the truth is, most of us aren't going to die from the pandemic, but we're going to die for something. And I think you're exactly right. This is a great chance when people are hungry, people are fearful to show them the way to hope, the way to not be fearful of eternity and this book a place called heaven devotional a lot of people are using it as a gift to non-christians to not just tell them about heaven but also to tell them about the only way to heaven through faith in jesus christ 
Again, we're talking with uh, our, our friend, Dr. Robert Jeffress, uh, who is the uh, pastor. And on the website, by the way, I like to say the website a lot, ptv.org, ptv.org. You can go there and see a lot of what they're doing, his Pathway magazine, uh, his own writings. And in particular, we're talking about A Place Called Heaven Devotional, this new devotional out just uh, this month. Uh, pastor Jeffress, have you, have you heard from President Trump? I, I kind of feel like the, the media, social media shut him down so dramatically. We went yeah. from Donald Trump all day long, every day, and now we hear nothing. I kind of, I wonder about him. I don't think I worry about him. He doesn't seem like he needs my worry, but I wonder. Well, I talked to him a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, right before he left office. He called me from Air Force One, and he uh, was doing great. Very, He's the most resilient human being I know. And we talked about the last four years, and I said, Mr. President, we will be eternally grateful to you. You have been the most pro-life, pro-religious liberty president in our history. And I think we're especially, over these next four years, going to appreciate President Trump even more as he's put into place at least a backstop uh, in these court appointments from some of this radicalism that we're facing right now. Well, and, and we're talking with Dr. Jeffress. You know, when I said something different about it, I want to ask you what your thoughts, because I'm not a pastor and you are. We're talking with Dr. Robert Jeffress and uh, and his uh, his new devotional is called A Place Called Heaven Devotional. Go to ptv.org and find out how to give and how really to be a part of the community uh, that he builds and continues building. Um, I, I, I maintain that Donald Trump, as a candidate and as president, he challenged our priorities. He said, you know, you seem to say you love America, but you're not putting Americans first. You seem to say that you love uh, helping different people, but you're not kind of forgiving. You're not you're not challenging. Not everybody in Team America isn't being lifted right now. You're picking winners and losers. And I, I think he challenged our priorities. And when someone challenges your priorities in one area, it's an opening in another area. And so my my thought here is my argument has been, you know, we always ask for say to the Lord, give us a, a great an, another great awakening. Right. But it, sometimes you got to have a shock to your priorities to say, wait, I'm off balance here. You know, maybe mm-hmm. people say sometimes hit bottom or whatever. I think President Trump did that. And actually, I wonder, and I, the Lord's plan is obviously more more full than mine, but in my my thoughts of the Lord's plan is Donald Trump needed to do four years. He didn't need to do eight. And maybe not for him, especially because he shook us up and now we got to adjust our priorities. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, a reporter asked me, do you have any regrets now about supporting President Trump? I have no regrets whatsoever. It was the right thing to do. I will always be grateful for his service to our country and will always count him as a friend. And I continue to pray for him. And I think we ought to pray for Joe Biden. I mean, the scripture tells us in First Timothy 2, we're to pray for all those in authority, not just the ones that we voted yeah. for. And, you know, Paul said specifically, pray for government that we can lead our Christian lives and quietness and dignity. Translation, pray that government will leave us alone to practice our faith. That's about <laughs> the best prayer for government. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh, Pastor uh, uh, Pastor Jeffers, uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers, again, is with us. And uh, ptv.org is the website and a place called Heaven Devotional. All right, one last question. The, um, the, the, the You mentioned a civil war, and you mentioned the sort of at, people at each other. It feels like, uh, I, I talk a lot about my feelings, I know, but it's. I observe it. People are 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 more willing to be uncharitable to each other in social media, online, and maybe just in modern in the modern. 
modern world. Is that am I wrong on that? You know, you've been around. You've, no, you've think, been working I, with I, people. I think for, that's true. I think they have more tools to do that with today than they've ever <laughs> had before. And uh, look, we need to do everything we can to be peacemakers. Jesus said, uh, "Blessed are the peacemakers; they shall be called the children of God." And uh, I think we've got to be peacemakers. But the only way I think to have peace and unity in our country is to respect the rights of other people to be wrong. I mean, we've got to get rid of this cancel culture that says you can't express anything I find objectionable. That doesn't foster unity. It uh, fosters diversity and hard feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor uh, Jeffers. I'd say this. I, I really appreciated your willingness to be publicly, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, supportive of the president through thick and thin. And even now, I think I'm sure it wasn't always at no cost and probably at a high cost at times. And so I think uh, I hope the Lord protected you and will continue to do it. And, and again, the book, uh, new book, A Place Called Heaven Devotional. Go to PTV.org to learn more, more about that and find ways to be a part of uh, Pastor Jeffers uh, work in his community and get that uh, devotional. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll come back uh, in a moment. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com and listen to all these interviews. Be back in a moment. Uh, Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Be back. Be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. They say common sense isn't as common as it used to be. And that's certainly true if you're talking about the pamphlet written by Thomas Paine in 1776. Over the course of the American War for Independence, half a million copies of Paine's Common Sense were printed for America's two million citizens. His writings were so influential that John Adams remarked, without the pen of the author of Common Sense, the sword of Washington would have been raised in vain. Today is Paine's birthday. And the birthday of an American like Thomas Paine is worth recognizing. We could all stand to learn a few life lessons from this important historical figure. Even though Thomas Paine was a corset maker by trade, it was clear to see that he had a gift for words. He coupled this talent with burning passion and dauntless devotion. This combination proved to be a recipe for success, and America is a better place because of it. If you'll indulge me, I'd like to read a few opening lines from Paine's second pamphlet, which General George Washington had read aloud to his troops in late 1776. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Like the patriots of 1776, the patriots of 2021 face tremendous challenges ahead. We must purpose in our hearts not to be summer soldiers or sunshine patriots. The fight to keep our liberty may be hard, but the reward is still of great value for ourselves and for those we love most. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Let's wrap things up a little window, a little window. I mentioned earlier to uh, Dave in the wink, we were talking about the problem, not the problem, the reality of the narrative machine. The narrative machine is a combination of the fake news, big tech, and the left, especially when the left uses government. You know, we think of Cuomo in in New York, now Biden's administration, uh, Homeland Security security putting out a memo they they but they're working together not just to accomplish certain acts but to frame certain issues in such a way that the public is uh, not only sort of misled, but told a whole untruth. Now, <laughs> the only thing as I watch this and I give all these examples, the, the Russia hoax, the fine people hoax in Charlottesville, the drinking bleach hoax, uh, all these different hoaxes. What you should start to say to yourself is what's actually true. And that's a problem. The truth is here. The problem is that we are in a dangerous spot in that a lot of things become uh, become less clear, you know, to trust. But then you start doubting the past. And and here's my first tip. Don't worry about that. You can't go back. You can't go back and wonder, is all the history wrong? Is everything wrong completely? You can't go back. But, but my point, my point here is to make clear that going forward, you have to recognize the narrative machine and realize it's not just some people trying to spin you. It's not that. In the old days, it was somebody spinning you. Oh, I'm going to spin you and tell you that, you know, these uh, these um, Green New Deal things are going to be really, they're going to cost you oil jobs. But you know what? There'll be other jobs like solar engineering jobs, solar jobs, like the John Kerry line from a day or two ago. That's kind of spinning you. That's not what I'm talking about. The narrative machine, the difference in, in the old style spin or even the, the, the madman, you know, the madman advertising, the old 1950s advertising jingles. The difference is they're using science and they're using neuroscience to change what you believe and how you function in society. And one of the ways to do that is to use the, the science, the neuroscience to get you I've told you this before to agitate and then create dependency so agitate and create agitate people oh you should worry about this worry about this white supremacy this white worry 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 and then create dependency people got to come back and see if you can resolve it here's what we are here's a resolving here's a resolve agitate agitate resolve resolve agitate create agitate create i'm still working you can tell on on how to frame this specifically like the lingo of it but you get the point And the narrative machine is now, it's not spin, it's not anecdotal, it's a wholesale takeover of what's happening in our society, and we're being dominated by it. So, what you need to do, what you need to do, as I've said before on my Periscope, is name it, 
Name it. Name what's going on. Oh, by the way, one of the people that listened to my Periscope sent me a tweet, a direct message on Twitter. I follow me at, at Eagle Ed Martin. And she said, hey, you know, another example of the sort of the narrative machine was the stories about in New York about how Cuomo was succeeding and how unbelievable it was. They were this and that and the other thing. Well, the narrative machine has been has been caught because people have realized, wait, the nursing homes did terribly. There was these problems and all. And so for the first point, my, my point is someone was responding to my earlier email, uh, earlier uh, Periscope, sorry. Um, but my first thing was I- identify the narrative machine, understand what's happening. The second thing is know that with a little luck, hard work, smarts, you can beat it. You can beat it because it's kind of a Leviathan. It's kind of a clunky, massive machine. Yes, it's using science. Yes, it's got more power and money than us. But the example there is Janice Dean and a few others in New York have basically taken the narrative machine's product. Cuomo did great and destroyed it and gotten to the truth, which is it was a terrible, terrible failure. And lots of people died in nursing homes. So the first thing you do, what you need to do now today is, is recognize the narrative machine, understand its power. You can be daunted by it for a moment. You can be like, holy cow, what is this? How are we going to survive? And then after you have that moment, think to yourself, okay, the truth is we can beat it. You can beat it by being nimble. You can beat it by being savvy. You can beat it by understanding what it's doing. You can beat it at its own game. Right. You can beat it at its own game. You can use the tools against it like demands for transparency. That's what Cuomo didn't want you to see. He wanted to feed us the narrative machine fed fed us statistics that were handcrafted by the Cuomo administration. But the, 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 the opponents of the narrative machine, Janice Dean and others said, wait a second, let's see more transparency. What's exactly there? And when they got down to it, they're like, huh, that looks a lot different than we thought. You can beat it. You got to be creative. You got to be understand what you're up against and you got to look for allies. But that's what the, that's where we have to go. And you have to do it because what happens with the narrative machine is they, their, their goal is not to win everyone. Every, remember I told you they gather facts and call it the truth. If you had all the facts, you'd see their truth is a lie. But they gather some facts, self-selected, and then they call it the truth. And you, a lot of people get worn down and the narrative machine, they want to wear you down. They don't want to actually allow, uh, the, the, they don't want you, they don't necessarily need to win you over at once. They need to wear you down over time, time and pressure, pressure and time. That's the game they're playing. All right, that's what you need to do. We will uh, be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests. If you have an idea for a guest, I meant to tell you this, anytime, shoot Joanna or I an email, joanna at phyllisschlafly.com, ed at phyllisschlafly.com, over on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, also on Facebook, Ed Martin Live. You can get me anytime, all those different venues, or go just go to proamericareport.com. You can go right through the comments section. It goes right to my phone, sends me an email, so go there, too. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.